0: I am radio with your co-hosts, Robert Brining and Aaron Laxton. We go around the world and across the United States. Join in the conversation by calling in to 929-477-3572. That's 929-477-3572. This week, we have your HIV scoop with Josh Robbins. And your positive message from Rise Up to HIV and Kevin Maloney. Your weekly dose of hope. Pause I Am Radio. I hope you're ready for season two because it starts now.
1: Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to this edition of I AM Radio. I'm your host, Robert Brining, joined, of course, by Aaron Laxton. Aaron, how are you feeling this Sunday?
2: You know, we're getting ready to go on holiday break, so I'm feeling great.
1: Yeah, me too. I actually have had off the whole last week, so it's kind of been weird because I have to adjust back to work on Tuesday.
2: Are you going stir-crazy being in the house, or... or? Have, or have
1: you not yeah. been stuck in the house? Um, well, I've basically been stuck in the house. I mean, for people who don't know, last week I kind of announced I was having some oral surgery done on Monday. And, you know, basically all week I've been not wanting to go out because it's not pretty.
2: <laughs> you know, I
1: you to have oral surgery done uh, right away. So I kind of did a lot of my Christmas shopping online yesterday to, to make up for that. <laughs> but it's weird because usually I'm up and out of the house by 4 or 5 a.m. And to be able to sleep in until eight or ten o'clock today was like,
2: what's that? That's crazy. You do more before nine o'clock than most people will do like the entire day, I'm sure.
1: (laughs) Not this week. Not this week.
2: So yesterday I made the mistake of going Christmas shop. Not Christmas shopping, but just regular shopping. And (laughs) by the end of it I was wanting to like stab myself in the throat. It was horrible. So kudos to you for the online shopping. I think that's the way to go. Did you go to the mall? Well, yeah, I went to like this shopping area that's by the mall. I didn't go to the mall, but I went to Trader Joe's and, um, you know, I hit up the stores there and it was horrible. There was a huge line just to get in there. And I usually go grocery shopping on Fridays for that exact reason. Uh, and I guess I was busy this week so I had to go Saturday and yeah, I won't make that mistake again.
1: I can't believe that Christmas is a week away.
2: It's crazy. It's just now feeling, of course, we've got that polar polar vortex, they're calling it. Um, They always come up with really cool names. There's snow here yesterday. Yeah, yeah, we had ice and stuff that caught everybody off guard on Friday Um, and then uh today it is down in the single digits. So there's actually a video of, in Baltimore of a 63-car pileup. Uh, I think I saw that. It. Is that
1: the one where the, the, the truck went off and flipped and, and blew up? Yeah. Yeah, I it's saw that, and video, I actually watched it on Facebook.
2: If you watch the video, right, the video rolls for, like, you know, Four minutes, five minutes, and the guy's yeah. like, Oh, I'm gonna get uh, off here and call 911. on one just don't record, people. Like I, I I've really been contemplating like the role like we play with social media and like our desire to get everything on film. Um and that video was just it was very interesting just to watch. Like there was following up and he's record yeah, oh heck yeah.
1: And it's funny, that's exactly what my partner said. He goes, oh, now you're going to call the police?
2: <laughs> right. Well, we had um, down uh, uh, south of us on 55 South, one of our suburbs, um, the traffic was at a standstill. We had people that eight hours later were just not, just getting home. Um, it, it was very interesting. There's a video on YouTube um, of the Mannequin Challenge. You know, we've seen that going around on viral videos, and this is – the cars doing a mannequin challenge it was <laughs> I guess a funny way to kind of deal with being stuck in a vehicle for that long
1: yeah it was crazy because yesterday we woke up to like snow and ice and then it went to freezing rain and like today it's 60 degrees now and all that snow and ice is all gone
2: <laughs> yeah I've reached that age like I've I've come to respect, you know, I don't feel like I'm, you know, 60 or 70. But if I don't have to go outside and it's dangerous, like I'm not going outside. I, I have everything I need. Um, maybe I am getting older. I don't, I don't, I'm being more thoughtful, I think. Well, yeah, you're getting responsible. Oh, my God. You know, like, is, is my life worth going out to get that bread? <laughs> not right. It's actually been a very interesting Week Um, weather aside, um, there's been some stuff regarding HIV and activism that has kind of been in the media and on social media. Uh, Do you ever watch that show, Doctors, the the doctor show? You probably don't. I used to watch that. Okay, so it's I never really watch it. It's on whenever I'm leaving for work. But this week, um, Brian Jackson. Um, many will remember Brian as being the, the infant that was injected with HIV um, by his father. His father was trying to avoid um, paying child support. Um, and anyway, so Brian was on the doctors and he was talking about you know, his life and HIV. Um, and so that was very interesting to, to see that.
1: Yeah, actually, Brian was on the show here. Um, A few years ago. Yeah, I'm trying to uh, Google that now and see uh, when exactly he was on. But, um, yeah, because he had an organization called Hope is Vital. And it was about, looks like it's coming up, it says seven years ago. So, yeah, he was on the wow. show probably in like 2000, like, like 2010. I remember interviewing him and him, yeah, it was a very courageous for him to come out and share that story. And then I saw it in my newsfeed on Facebook that he was on the doctors and I was like, crap. So I shared it real quick and, and left a comment, but I'm going to actually watch it. I saved it on my DBR. So.
2: Yeah. I I also think that he is interesting in a lot of ways because I, I and I've met with him and I've talked with them uh, and that, you know, moving from a child to an adolescent and then to an adult, um, and then also recognizing the struggles of a youth living with HIV, especially someone who's had it their entire life versus an adult. Um, there's a lot of intersectionality and nuances there that make his case very interesting. Um, and, and again, like you said, very courageous um, that he not only shared it, but it would be very easy for him to simply slip off into, you know, living a life and never doing any advocacy. Um, or never trying to help anybody else, and that's not the case.
1: It's true. He's definitely a a brave man, and I'm going to actually find that interview, and I'll try to post it in the chat room for people who are listening. But we do have phone lines, so if you're interested in calling the show, uh, we're we're taking calls all hour at 929-477-3572. Our friend uh, James Brennig will be joining us in a few minutes. I just got a message from him saying... We'll be calling in a quarter after, so uh, do you want to move over to The Scoop with Josh Robbins
2: and see what he's bringing to the table this week? Oh, let's do it. I think it's going to be
3: interesting. Uh This is your HIV Scoop with Josh Robbins, exclusive for Paws IM Radio. Buzzworthy HIV news in under 90 seconds. Here's Josh Robbins in this week's HIV
4: Scoop. Well, hello, how are y'all? It's almost the holiday time. Are you excited? Yes, yes, yes. All right. Uh, NERC's a telemedicine startup out of San Francisco, which focuses on making pre-exposure prophylaxis or PrEP more accessible to everyone through their app, just announced that they have launched in D.C. Oh, yes, Yep, that's right. The app works in California, New York, Washington State, and now Washington, D.C., This is the app that Michael Weinstein issued a funny press release saying that this app made prep as easy as ordering a pizza, and then everyone kind of hit their heads and said, that's a great idea. I laughed. I think it made these guys over at NERCS laugh. Um, Anyway, they're going to launch the app service in Maryland, Virginia, Pennsylvania, Ohio, Illinois, Florida. Michigan and Missouri by January. Uh Oh, and some TV baby's mama's drama from over the big pond. BuzzFeed UK is reporting that the makers of Channel 4's hit reality show First Dates told a contestant that he had to disclose the fact that he was HIV positive to the man he had been paired with before they even filmed the blind date because he was deemed a risk to his dinner companion. You heard me right. This was despite the contestant being on meds, being undetectable and not uninfectious, even if they had unprotected sex. Britain's biggest HIV charity, the Terence Higgins Trust. Oh, they were pissed. <laughs> I'm Josh Robbins. This is the HIV Scoop.
1: We wanted to thank Josh Robbins for that scoop this week. Uh, I see he found some uh, sound effects this week.
2: Yes, he did, and um, <laughs> that, I I couldn't help but laugh the entire time. Um, I like the whistles, so um, Josh weeks off until we get back from holiday.
1: Right. Well, the one story was interested about the reality television show. You know me and my reality TV, and you know people putting themselves out there, uh, you know, living openly about you know, being positive and stuff like that. And I think that show forcing that contestant to do that is kind of messed up, uh, you know, it kind of, for lack of better words, left to be a bad taste in my mouth.
2: <laughs> yeah. I, when my, and I don't watch a lot of TV, so I don't, I don't know a whole lot about it. Uh, I mean, I see it from like a, a production studio side. I can see them looking at it from a liability standpoint, but. That being said, no one should be forced to disclose it. It's, yeah, it's really messed up that, that they would do that, especially in the era. You know, now we're hearing the message, you know, undetectable is uninfectious. Uh, it's really behind the time studio, behind the times.
1: Yeah, it's a little crazy considering it's called blind date. <laughs>
2: like, right. you're not supposed to
1: know anything about the person before you meet them.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's definitely. So definitely setting a bad example. It's
1: crazy. And then um, he was talking about that app. Um, I didn't really hear much about that online. Are you
2: familiar with that? I know nothing about it. So I would probably tell people if you want to know more about it, go over to Josh's Twitter page. on am so Josh. Um, and he can give you more information. You know, Josh is all up to date on all that technology stuff. Um, yeah, I don't know anything about it but i'm assuming it sounds like it's for um prep and centered around where people get prep and clinics and things like that sorry i think it's centered around uh prep people being able to get prep yes. clinics providers yeah, um, things like yeah. that
1: yes that's what it sounded like i I'm, i have to look that up too and i'll have to find blank to post in the chat room but i see our guest uh that's a new guest is on the line. So, again, we want to remind you, you can call the show 929 477 3572. And let's welcome our guest, James Brendan, to the show. Hey, James, how are you?
3: How are you? I miss you. <laughs> I miss you too. It's been so long.
1: Right? It's been crazy. For those who don't know, <laughs> yes. James, is a, like a, a personal friend of mine, like <laughs> we're in the same hood, <laughs> went to the same Support group with girls, you know, we braid our hair, stuff like that.
3: We basically have the same name. It's a whole thing.
1: Yes, basically, I'm if we're related. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> so last time you were on was a while
1: ago. Um, I think, was it, who was co-hosting with me at the time? Because it wasn't Aaron, right? It was, was it Jeremy?
3: I think it may have been Jeremy, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. But you met Aaron down at the, the IAC, right? I did, in D.C., yep. Yes, I love James. How are you? That was a really fun day.
2: I'm I'm good. I'm good. I'm mm-hmm. excited to see that you
3: were scheduled to come on. You've been doing oh. such amazing, amazing stuff. I'm definitely excited. Oh, thank you. Everything. You have too. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> thank you.
1: So, so fill us in a little bit, James. I mean, you were diagnosed mm-hmm. in, in 2010. That was when I yes. met you, right?
3: So it was very, very
1: shortly after that. Yeah. That's kind of crazy. So, so tell us a little bit Mm -hmm. like how, why you got tested and, and how that kind of, uh, was for you when you found out.
3: So I, I, um, I always got tested every three to six months, um, just because, um, so it, it was absolutely a huge shock when I got tested and they, they told me that my, um, you know that it came back reactive uh, i was not mentally prepared for that at all um and i just remember after she said you know your test came back reactive um and i'm sure a lot of people can can relate to this that had been tested positive It just everything just kind of stopped um everything like kind of went numb it was like really fuzzy uh and it just kept replaying those words like over and over and over again in my head, like your test came back reactive and it was just such like a, uh, like a, like a punch in the face. You know what I mean? Like all of a sudden you're faced with like something that you're not really familiar with and all you know about it, you know, is it's just really bad and I'm going to be dead in a couple of months and, and just all this really crazy stuff. So it was, it was really intense. Um, yeah, looking back, it was it was really 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 wild, and I and I left there not really knowing um, what to do. You know, they they told me like they gave me a couple numbers. Here's a card. You know, give them a call. They can get you set up. But I I couldn't tell you like where that place was. What she said. It was just kind of like I just need to get out of here and just like process this as soon as soon as possible. Now, if I remember from
1: your 2012 interview, you actually were there with your, your partner at the time, and you basically kind of yeah. had to tell him, you know, that you were positive. And, and yeah. how was his reaction to
3: that? <laughs> well, that was kind of wild, too, because we had only been dating for like a month. So it was, it was you know, it was essentially a stranger um, <clears throat> that, I'm, that I'm having to tell this to. Uh, I will say the one good thing and I do apologize for the win but um, I will say the one good thing about <laughs> him being there <laughs> because you kind of know the backstory to all that um, was that it was it was good to have someone there with me after that um, because I just I remember leaving uh, the Washington West project just not I was not okay and uh, I was you know if I could say one good thing about him I was it was good to have someone else there with me to kind of uh, you bring me back, like, down to earth. <laughs> um, but he, I mean, he took it pretty well, I guess, in the sense that he wasn't, like, um, completely turned off by it. But, I mean, without getting into the whole, it was just, that was just a mess anyway.
1: <laughs> so
3: how have you How have you dealt with, Girl would you walk in the streets again? No, I'm, I'm trying to find, like, the quietest <laughs> little, like, house. It's just, I'm in, I'm in Philly and it's just, it's really
1: crazy. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, it's live. That's what happens. So listen,
5: yeah. <laughs> tell me, how did you
1: find support? How were you able to find support and, and things like that? Cause you know, you're like, we said you're from Philly or the Philly area. So, you know, when you were looking for that, you were in Philly. Where in Philly did you, yeah. you know, were you able to find yeah. that help?
3: So the one, the one place that I do remember um, the girl telling me was Mazzoni Center. That was really the first time that I had heard that name before. Um, and so I went, I went to Mazzoni. I had um, like, a, like a counselor, I guess you could call it. Uh, and I just kind of saw him once a week just to kind of process help. He, had, he helped me process everything. And then he let me know that there was also um, a support group like a drop-in support group, uh, every Tuesday night. So I don't know how I mustered up the courage to go to this by myself, but I did. And it was probably the greatest thing that I've ever done. Um, I I've said it a thousand times. I, Mazzoni center like literally saved my life. Um, finding, you know, everyone in that group, you just, everyone else that I've met there was having that support was what's, what absolutely saved me from, you know, letting it, letting that diagnosis completely like take over my life and just, cause it, it was rough. It was really rough for the first few months, maybe even like a year after I was diagnosed. It was tough. You know I mean? Trying to process everything and who do I tell? How do I tell them? Just all of it. But yeah, Mazzoni, Mazzoni was, was a huge, huge uh, resource for me.
2: So this is Aaron. I didn't realize when we met in D.C. that you were
3: um,
2: newly, you were pretty newly diagnosed.
3: Yeah, it was really new. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm.
2: You may have told me that because there was a whole bunch of that that I don't remember just because there was so (laughs) much, it was like overload. Um, (laughs) So, I mean, I know how it felt for me being, you know, me being newly diagnosed and being there. Um, Mm -hmm. What did that mean for you being at you know the international AIDS conference. You're, you're you're being able to experience all of this and take it all yeah. in. Um, what what was that like for you?
3: Uh, if I could use one word, it was empowering. It was really cool uh, to to kind of feel like um, I was there making a difference, even if it was just a little teeny difference. Um, it was nice to be surrounded by a lot of love and and support and all that. Um, I just felt really, it just felt really good being there. Like I felt like I was with family. Did, were you able to hear your own story and
2: and others that you encounter? Um, because for me being there, um, I mean, I would never, you know, obviously, uh, being there with Robert and, um, with everybody else that we were there, is very mm-hmm. again empowering for me. I would I would use that word as well. But when I talked to every individual, I was able to find something about them and their story that that I can relate to. Was that kind of similar to you? Absolutely.
3: Yep, absolutely. Um, and it was it was nice in in that sense to know that there were people out there going through what I was going through, um, and it just kind of um, I always get weird using this word, uh, but it like normalized it in a way. Um, it made me feel like less afraid. Um, it, it was just really comforting uh, to know that I wasn't going through this crazy new you know, chapter of my life alone um, and that there were absolutely people out there you know, who, were, who were willing to support you and, and wanted to support and, and all that. It was, it was nice sharing those stories with everyone. Now,
1: James, was that your first like conference that you ever went to that was HIV related? It sure was. Yep, that was my first one. So it was the big bang.
3: <laughs> you
1: know, I'm like because that really was silly, huge. We
3: might as well go big. Yeah, it was really big. Yeah.
1: I mean, what was mm-hmm. what was I guess your your favorite part? Was it was it the quilt? Was it you know the the, the people marching in the streets? Was it mm-hmm. just getting out there and, and
3: meeting new people or? Yeah, it was it was it was all of that. It was it was feeling like, um, again, like it was it was a community uh, of uh, people who just wanted to support you. Um, The quilts were were really nice. It was nice to see that, like that remembrance, I guess. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, just meeting everyone, seeing all the resources out there. um, And then, of course, like going out with you all afterwards for a little drink. That was fun, too.
1: Right. I remember seeing you and Kevin come down and I was like shocked when you guys yeah, were like, We're driving yeah. down. I'm oh, like, what? Yeah, yeah,
3: no. That, I'm telling you, that car ride home was rough. It was it was rough, but it was totally worth it. <laughs>
1: I'm sure it was. Did you have work the next yeah. day? Oh, I sure geez. did,
3: yeah. Like a couple hours after I got home. <laughs> but totally worth funny. it. Mm-hmm. Yep. So
1: so I saw some interviews online. I saw you were featured in some magazines. Um, um, mm-hmm. Tell us about, I know you did like an interview for newly diagnosed people with, uh, I guess, was it Cos Magazine? Yes. Yep. I think I saw yeah, a video. That was,
3: um, yeah, there was a video for that. That one, it was actually kind of like a blur. I feel like it was so long ago. Um, but that one was a critical. I know you look so you know, young there. I know, right? Crazy. I, like my hair was a mess. It was just. I don't know. What, like, I don't know what I was thinking. By the way, but but jade <laughs> um, yeah, is real, Robert. Jade is real. <laughs> so. Yeah, I did that. I did the the pause. Um, the pause magazine one. Um, I did another one for um, uh, the AIDS Fund in Philadelphia. That one was was my favorite one. That the the cameraman on that, I was like, yes, got all the good angles. <laughs> that was like really critical. And that's of, the like, one where
2: you like, wore the shirt
3: and stuff. <laughs> um. That one was... Where's the was,
1: picture of the one down down that, down that you state. gave me? But no, oh, that was like Red you. Red. Okay.
3: Yeah, that one's from Code Red last year. Um, that was my first year doing it. We actually just did... Uh, it was a couple weeks ago. We did this, uh, this year's Code Red event. Um, that was a crazy night, too, because it was funny. My friend Michael um, throws that event together uh, with his friend Brandon. And we did a little rehearsal of our little skit. Like Michael just wanted us out on the stage, you know, holding up signs that are like, kind of like breaking down the stigmas that come with being positive. Um, So the the one part he needed someone to, you know, we all had to like stand in line. No one wanted to go up front, like at the very front of the stage. Cause I mean, there was like, you know, hundreds of people there, it was was terrifying. And it it got to the moment where someone had to go up front and like, no one was going. So I was like, all right, I guess I'm gonna go, go up and just like be terrified. but it was really cool cuz like that, that picture like that you know I, that picture came out of it and i hate every single picture that i that i'm ever in but when i saw that picture i got really emotional cuz it was um it was kind of like a um it was just like again like it's just really empowering like i i stood up you know in the, in the middle of this huge crowd and i you know proudly am saying i'm positive i'm not ashamed of it and you know, I'm just, I, I'm here to, to help others and, and all that. And I think that picture kind of captured that. Um, and I thanked him for it. I was like, I mean, that was like, I was actually kind of really proud of myself for for standing up there and, uh you know, doing my thing. So. Yeah, that picture is very, uh, it's striking, <laughs> you know.
1: It's, yeah, yeah. It's a, it really, mm-hmm. uh I like it. It's beautiful. That's why I, I wanted well, to use it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I see some familiar yeah, faces around it. you.
3: Yes, my my girls, my girls. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: The other girls in the group, you're back up.
3: <laughs> yep. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so what are what are some things that you're doing now? How's how's life now? I mean, it's been 6 years.
3: It's crazy. I, yeah, it was November 2nd uh, was my 6 year uh, is it weird to say anniversary for that? I don't I don't know. Some but, people say pos Yeah, <laughs> a pos yeah, my six-year pos Um So life is really, really, really good. I um, just got a job with the AIDS Education and Training Center, and we were based out of Voorhees, New Jersey, um, at a, an infectious diseases office. And our job is we go around um, pretty much the entire state of New Jersey, and we provide services, uh, training tools, things like that to physicians, um, that are looking basically anything HIV related. Um, we can you know get the resources, the tools together. You know we can come do lectures, conferences, what you know, you name it. Um, and it's it's pretty amazing. Um, every day is different. You know, one day we'll be up in Newark, the next day we'll be down in Cape May, just kind of teaching people about HIV. And uh, we just did like a a, a session for trans sensitivity um, at a gynecologist's office. Uh, Friday which was really really cool and informative um, and it's and it was good to see that there are um, like physicians offices and stuff like that who who really want to know about HIV and that want to provide services to um, people who are positive and, and especially like the trans community um, who need it the most so it was really really cool. There, yeah. um. So one of the, the
2: challenges, I, I know Robert and you all probably you don't experience this. I'll speak for me. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm getting older. This bitch is getting old. Um, and, and so my perspective also is like changing. And I, you know, no matter how much I try to fight it, um, in gay years I'm I'm already gone. Um,
3: oh my god.
2: <laughs> and and so when I'm out in the streets and I'm doing different activities. Um, I'm realizing that, you know, there's that new generation of, we finally call them the I generation, the I yep. kids. But um, mm-hmm. what is it like um, doing HIV and AIDS advocacy um, and, and that type of work in, in with today's, with young people? And I think a lot of times those young people who are shortchanged and, and they're, you know, we have this really weird perspective that, today's youth are not doing anything. Yeah. So give us your perspective because I know that's not the truth.
3: Absolutely. Yeah. It's 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 that's a really cool like good question because I do a lot of um outreach on a lot of the the uh the gay dating apps like Grindr, Scruff, Jack Hornet, uh all of them. And I get a lot of of younger guys that reach out to me that ask questions, which I think is really really cool. Um and what I've noticed is that a lot of them actually are pretty well, maybe it's like a, a split down the middle, but there are a lot of kids out there, not kids, but younger gay men that actually know a lot about it. And it's and it's refreshing. It's it's nice. Uh, but then on the same hand, like I get a lot of people who will message me on there asking if you can get HIV from kissing or like touching hands. And I'm like, Oh, this, there's still a lot of work <laughs> to be done out there. Uh, but I would say like the most part, um, they're, they're pretty well, you know, versed about it. They're, they're open to it, which I think is really cool. Um, it's, it's not as much of a, uh, like a, like a no, no word, I guess. Like people always like want to go like whisper HIV, but they're just kind of like, I guess for them, it's just, it is what it is. Like they're just, I don't know. I, I would say overall it's, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty nice.
2: You know, it's very funny. I do outreach on grinder and Scruff and all those too. I am mm-hmm. oh, yeah? winking. You can't, you can't see my wink, but I'm winking.
3: Now I'm
2: a married man, I don't do that as much.
5: Um, no,
2: it's, it's, we have a, a grant currently, my organization, uh, through AIDS United, uh, for needle exchange. And Mm -hmm. and so I'm really interested, how much of your work kind of, is there any any intersectionality, you know, if you're dealing with street use? I've I've had some uh, uh, chances to review different grants and things, so there's some really amazing work, especially in the realm of street outreach, uh, homeless Mm -hmm. programs um, that's going on in Jersey. Um, Do you have any opportunity to work with um, needle exchange
3: programs or use that might be IV drug use? um we I haven't I haven't run across that yet. I'm still pretty new to the, to the position. I think it's been about uh, five months. Um, but I have heard of, of those types of, of um, you know things in in New Jersey um, and I would be really interested in, in getting involved in that. I think that would be really really educational. All right, well, we're going to, uh,
2: do you mind hanging out with us for a little while longer? We are going to play a positive message from over at Rise Up HIV, and we'll come right back to you, is that cool?
3: Oh, sure, absolutely, yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna find a quieter place. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
5: Hi, I was diagnosed in March of 1990, three months shy of my 21st birthday. When I went to see the doctor, he told me that my viral load was up in the millions and that my CD4 count was less than 200. Basically, gave me five years to live. At um, this time, I basically gave up all my dreams, my hopes, and the wanting to live. But fortunately, here I am, 26 years later, I'm very healthy. So my message to you guys is to never give up, never give hope, and to keep up the fight. Geoffrey, Marzo de 1990, tres meses antes de mi 21 cumpleaños. En este momento el doctor me dijo que yo tenía el el, el barrel en los millones y el CD4 menos de 200. Me dio cinco años de vida. En este momento yo me di por vencido y no quise hacer más por mi vida, pero aquí estoy 26 años después y mi mensaje es que nunca pierdan el deseo de vivir. Okay,
2: sigan la pelea. So, there's a little Spanish for you. I know that uh, uh, we have Spanish speakers. Uh, so, that was one that was done in uh, English and in Spanish. That was Joey from uh, Florida.
1: Cool. So, thank you, Joey, for that. Um, Uh, Let's see, I have a caller here, so let's go ahead and bring the caller on first before we uh, come back. Area code 614, you're on the air. Who's this? Hello? Alrighty then, I guess maybe they're just listening. So, James, are you there? I am here, yep. (laughs) All right. so welcome back, James. Thanks for uh, joining us for the second part. So, are you... Mm -hmm. Ready for the holidays? Are you getting yourself excited? Does it feel like Christmas where Uh, you're
3: at? No. Um, Me, personally, I am absolutely not prepared. I'm not prepared for Christmas whatsoever. I still have a lot of shopping to do. (laughs) Yeah, me, too. I have a lot, too, Yeah. um, believe it or not.
1: So um, (laughs) let me ask you this. If somebody is newly diagnosed and they are coming to you, where would you direct them in the area? Obviously, they're going to be somebody local to, to you or, you know, someone of the schools mm-hmm. you're going to. Where would you uh, direct them to get help or to find support
3: that they need? Um, so I guess depending on exactly what they were looking for, I would either suggest, um, again, the Bizoni Center um, for, like, the support system. Um, I actually also help run um, a positive gay men's social group um that's kind of based in philadelphia and south jersey um so if they were looking for more like a social aspect not really like you know like the mental health part of it um we do really fun things like we go hiking go apple picking we do brunches happy hours you know a whole bunch of different things how come i don't how come i don't know about this social group i thought girl i thought you were in the in the the club i can add you all right (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny that I thought like you were totally added in the group I will absolutely add you it's called Philly Impact um, it's umbrellaed under um, there's, uh, there's another one in New York um, there's one in Denver so it's, it's really cool and we just do um, we try and get them like outside of the usual like bar scenes um, you know because there's, there's guys in the groups who are dealing with they can't really drink so we try and do a whole bunch of different things outside uh we do like the painting with a twist where you like, you go paint and, and drink wine at the same time. Um, like I said, hiking, apple picking, uh, just a whole bunch of different, we go down to the, uh, down the shore during the summertime. So just a whole bunch of different stuff.
1: That's really, really cool. Um, mm-hmm. I'm kind of jealous. Yeah, it's, and I really need to know more about that.
3: <laughs> we, we, I will absolutely add you. <laughs>
1: I want to be That's cool. that. Is that kind of, yeah, yeah right. right. Well, come to Philly. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, that you know, I'm partial to St. Louis. Um it's very. It's interesting hearing you talk about this, um, you know, because I'm very interested, as I'm sure the both of you've seen, um, as we went across the United States, and the the landscape of HIV support has changed even so drastically from 2011, 2012 to where we are today. Mm. How do we maintain the support when we are also it's this double edged sword, right? We're trying to normalize HIV. So we we want to mm-hmm. reduce the stigma. And I, I really think we've done a really great job, too much so sometimes. Um mm-hmm. because am here in the Midwest we don't have uh supports like that. I, I would I would, you know, I would oh, love wow. for to go apple picking. Um mm-hmm. I might throw apples at <laughs> <laughs> so, so is that a trend that you're seeing everywhere i mean it, what's the secret that you all are maintaining supports and, and other areas are
3: not maintaining them that's that's tough i think um there has to be i think we have to kind of change the way that we talk to each other first like in the gay community um Because I still feel like that's that's a problem. Like even within our community, there's still a lot of um, ignorance around HIV. Um, Some of the, I mean, I know this sounds terrible, but some of like the worst things that I've heard come out of people's mouths about HIV have been from other gay men. And it's like you kind of got to like fix that. Like we got to like be right as a community. I feel like to kind of keep like moving forward with. know with like the hiv support and and awareness and all that um but i agree i think we're doing a a really really amazing job um but we just have to like stick together you know now i have a
2: non-hiv related question and Mm -hmm. you don't have to answer it if you don't want to
3: okay
2: (laughs) i am a tattoo enthusiast and (laughs) i if i recall you have a tattoo which is very interesting, um, and it involves food. Oh, tattoo? Yes, yes. Mm-hmm.
1: Can you <laughs> tell me?
3: I've always wanted to know what's the backstory of your pie tattoo. Yeah, yeah. Um, so way back, back when I was in high school. Um, uh, One of my nicknames from from a friend of mine was, uh, she used to call me Jamesy Pie, and then I don't know what happened for whatever reason, the pie part just stuck, and so she started calling me pie, and then it was like, uh, you know, I used to groom dogs at Petsmart, so it was like everyone that I worked with in the salon was calling me pie. Uh, the management (laughs) was calling me pie. all her family, everyone that I knew was calling me pie. So I went and I got the pie symbol tattooed on my arm. Uh, I was either 18 or 19. It's my first tattoo. Uh, and then probably I want to say about three years ago, uh, I got the the whole sleeve done. So I was like, you know what? I might as well just go with it. And I just did, you know, the slice of cherry pie. I have the the pie number going around the plate, like 3.1415, whatever. Um, and then there's, like, a little cup of coffee, um, which is kind of like a, a knock to – I used to spend a lot of time at the Jersey, uh, at the diner, just, <laughs> like, a Jersey thing to do. So I just got that to kind of, like, represent, you know. Um, is that where you cruise when you live in Jersey, time. the diner? I mean, it's like an untapped resource, <laughs> I feel like. <laughs> you learn a lot about a person by their tattoos. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think I I kind of dig mine. Um, they all kind of, you know, most tattoos do. They tell a story, but I th- I feel like mine are pretty unique. Like I think they're kind of kind of cool. So I get a lot of compliments on them, and um, yeah, I dig it. And yeah. There's more it's to I come think. too. I, re-
1: I I remember when you just had the pie symbol there. You know what like, I mean? Like, and I was seeing like, it all like happen, and movie, yeah. it feels like yesterday. Yeah. You know what I mean? But
5: it it's really crazy does, that yeah. it's
3: become so big. Okay. Do you ever plan on getting yeah. anything HIV related? That's that's funny that you mentioned that. I, I think I I think I want to, but I um, I kind of have one. So the one on my wrist, the it's like the bird. Um, it's actually mm-hmm. the logo to um, my favorite singer. Her name, uh, most probably most guys know this, uh, Robin. Um, mm-hmm. She was you know when I was first diagnosed. Um, music helped me a lot. Like process a lot mm-hmm. of. Um, you know, what I was going through. And I mean, she was on, I mean, I already loved her before that, but her music was on repeat. Um, so that's kind of a, kind of like a nod to, um, to her and, and to, to, I guess like HIV in that, in that regard, uh, just helped me tremendously. So. You know, one of the things you you were talking about earlier, go ahead, Aaron. No, no,
2: no, go go for it. Go for it.
1: No, I was just (laughs) going to say one of the things that, uh, Andrew we you were talking about earlier was that, like, some of the the gay people, the gay community, you know, are saying the worst things, you know, regarding stigmatizing mm-hmm. people with HIV or not being educated or or being ignorant. Yep. Do you think that um, is a reflection of not having gay history taught in schools?
3: I think that could be. I think that could be a, a, a part of it. Yeah, absolutely. Because, like I said, you know, growing up, there was it was all straight history. <laughs> like if I could be real, it was all straight white history. So it's like, um, you know, we're we're not taught uh, about the leaders, you know, at, at the stone wall riots. We're not taught about um, like, even in like in, in our sex ed classes, um, we weren't taught as, as gay boys, how to like navigate gay sex. So it, I think it might right. be, you know, that, that kind of like ignorance, which, May not necessarily be our fault because, like I said, we just weren't taught it. Um, yeah, I, I could see that. And it's not like those priests didn't know. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Just saying. Yeah, just saying. <laughs>
2: so you find yourself, and I find myself, because uh, I was diagnosed in June of 2011 you were diagnosed in november yes of Mm -hmm. 2011 Uh, 2010 yeah 2010 so Mm -hmm. what i i kind of find myself you know from time to time kind of sitting back and well you know i'm not i don't really consider myself newly diagnosed anymore and Mm -hmm. i also don't consider myself a long-term survivor i'm right in that weird spot yep um does life look like now what you imagined the day that you were diagnosed? I know that's a really hard question because you know none of us really kind of plot yeah. out. But does it? Does life resemble anything that you thought um, for
3: you know that you had kind of dreamed up? Yeah, no, that that is such a, a, an amazing question, and it's it's really cool because it doesn't, and and it and it's a really really good thing. Um, you know, again, with it, like the first year or so after I was diagnosed, it was just I'm like, what am I gonna do? Like, what am I gonna do with my life? Like, what could I possibly do now? Um, you know, with this, I just felt completely um, like hopeless, and now you know, to the point where I'm not right now, it's like I. I couldn't have asked for, like, anything else. And I know this is, like, everyone says this. Um, but that diagnosis kind of, like, you know, shaped, shaped my future. And and this is what I'm passionate about. And this is what I, you know, want to continue doing. Um, no, I, I would say it, it, my life, I couldn't have imagined it this way. And I couldn't have imagined it any better. You know what I mean? Like, as cliche as that sounds. Oh, I love cliches. <laughs> um, I, I'm all about them.
2: I, I mm. also see that you, I I kind of live vicariously through your your page. You I like it. to travel. You'll you'll yes post in videos of you in different places, things like that. Mm-hmm. What have you found? Because um, we all have our go tos of kind of, and you 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 alluded to the fact that music was very therapeutic. It's, um, I, I, I kind of feel the same way. Um, mm-hmm. even when I don't know how I'm feeling, words in a song can express how I'm feeling.
3: Absolutely, yep.
2: Well, what else do you find, you know, if, if I was a bird on your wall and I mm-hmm. was just seeing like things you do to kind of make you feel better or kind of help you cope, because even, even today after having lived with this thing for as many years as you've had, if, if you're anything like me, there's still days that kind of it catches you off guard um Mm
3: -hmm, absolutely what are
2: some what are some of those things that kind of carry you through those tough moments and you know you've had a bad day at work or, or or whatever that may look
3: like what what are those things um so yeah definitely definitely music um i like to unwind like after you know after like a long day there's there's a there's a term i can't remember what it is it was like a new made-up one it's not an introvert it's not an extrovert you're kind of in the middle where you like you really enjoy you know being social and being around people but like at the end of the day i need to like shut down i don't need to like talk to anyone i just want to like be in silence and just kind of like you know reflect on the day maybe and and just kind of like unwind um so you know i i do a lot of that i just listen to music um i watch netflix i just kind of throw on like i'm a creature of habit so i kind of watch the same things on netflix every now and then (laughs) like i like i like portlandia a lot (laughs) um and it's it's i know this sounds weird but it's the the show itself if you've ever watched it it's just like a a really kooky weird tv show and like the the world what is it called portlandia i I love that show yeah, it's 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 my favorite. And it's just, so if you know it, it's like the, that world that they live in is, is really like kooky and, and like innocent, but it's like a world that I that I would love to live in. Like it just seems really comforting. So like I, I kinda throw on that or like Bob's burger's <laughs> I just like just like to Do you ever see F is for family? Back. What's that? Did you ever see F is for Family? No, I haven't. Is that on Netflix? Yeah. Yeah, you need to go watch it on my, on my list. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, you'll <laughs> like it. <laughs> um, but yeah, and that's in that sense too. When I when I can, um, I I really enjoy traveling a lot. Um, my boyfriend lives in Dallas, so I get to to travel um, to see him. Um, but I really enjoy traveling too because I I like to be um, outside of my comfort zone. I think that's where you kind of really learn a lot about yourself and about the world. Again, I know it sounds really cliche, but Um, you just kind of get to experience um, like other cultures and and things that you don't normally see I think it's really healthy for for people to get up and like get the hell out of America for a little bit (laughs) go like lounge on a beach you know like in St. Thomas or something like go to we went to Costa Rica and it was like just incredible it was just really amazing to, to get away from the norm
1: yeah your pictures were beautiful you guys are cute yeah it was
3: Oh, thanks. <laughs> He's pretty awesome. <laughs> so, so, so let me ask
1: you this. Do you remember, because, you know, when people are diagnosed, they have the option to, you know, not share their status and kind of just take care of themselves and live with their head down mm-hmm. and just go about their life as if nothing happened, you know, and just keep to who they have to tell. Do you remember the moment where you decided, you know what, I'm kind of going to blast the volume and I'm just going to let everybody know and like, what was that defining moment when you were like, you know what? I think I'm going to just do this.
3: Yeah. Yep, I sure do. I remember the exact moment, and that was when um, that person that I was with, when I was diagnosed, uh, decided to disclose my status to uh, five or six of my family members without me knowing. And that kind of lit a fire under my ass where I was like, you know what? No one ever gets to do this to me ever again. That was the That was the main reason. And then the other reason, too, was just you know, that was maybe like a year or so after I was diagnosed, I just got to, to the point where I was like, why am I like, why am I going to hide this? Why am I going to hide something that needs a lot of attention, right? For for me to be okay. I'm not going to walk around and and like whisper it. I'm not going to like be ashamed of it because there's no reason to be, right? Um, so right. that was definitely the moment where I was like, you know what? No one's ever going to hold that over my head again. They're not going to use that to hurt me And I and I wanted to um, just kind of show people like there's no reason to to hide because when you know that that famous quote like silence equals death if you're like if these these people are running around terrified of it and they're not going to get the 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 help that they need that they're entitled to it's like it's just so crazy to me um you know like i get- i absolutely get it um but yeah that was that was definitely a moment where I was like i'm not I'm just not gonna hide it's just it's just it's not going to be good.
4: No, I think
1: that's in, it's incredible that you, you know, keep mm-hmm. that close to you because you remember what kind of lit that fire inside yeah. of you. And
3: thank God it did. I mean, look at all the people that you're helping. Exactly. And and that's exactly why, you know, if I can help one person at the end of the day, um, oh. Here she goes. I'm like, I'm like getting all like emotional. Um, But no, if I can help like one person at the end of the day, like that's that's really cool, and that's one person that, you know, may even just think twice about, you know, maybe I should tell my best friend or, you know, I've I've met people who have been living with HIV for years and they have literally told no one because they're so afraid of it, and it and that to me is just so wild because you know nine times out of ten, they're going to be surrounded by people who the only reason they're going to be upset is that they didn't tell them sooner. You know what I mean? And I know that not everyone has that same story, but it's just like, I don't know, maybe just because of, of, of my experience. I'm just like, I, no one should have to, to keep that in. Like, it's just, it's just so much, I don't know.
1: <laughs> no, I agree. I it's really, a lot to I hold really in, really you know, really to keep a secret yeah, that long it is. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> when it's something that doesn't have to be a secret.
3: Exactly. Yep.
1: And it's the stigma, and you know, and that's why you do what you do because mm-hmm. you want to end
3: mm-hmm.
1: the stigma. So, um, yeah. So,
3: James, tell me where people can actually contact you, get a hold of you after the show. Sure. Yeah. Um, so, if they want, they can absolutely send me um, a, a friend request on Facebook. Uh, I can uh, email is good too if you want to do email. Um, uh-huh. Do you want like doing it like say the email now? <laughs> or like Well people
1: well people can contact you. They can reach you what? On Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. I mean, where do you prefer they love. for you? Um, I would right. do
3: I would do and Facebook I would do Facebook first and then you know I'm, I'm definitely out on Twitter. Um I don't really use it a whole lot, but I do get like the little notifications. So like if you, you know, shoot me a message, I'll absolutely say today. check it. <laughs> Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, I will put the links yep. to your pages
1: on all our pages and share all that with you. Awesome. And it was so great to finally talk to you. We have to get together soon. I
3: know. We no. please. We, uh, we absolutely do. I will definitely send you, um, you know, I'll get you added to the group too. And yeah, we definitely need to go out. Cool. Well, I miss you. I love mm-hmm. you. I hope you have a great holiday. Oh, I miss you too. I love you. Mm-hmm. Thanks. You too. Aaron, it was so good talking <laughs> to you too. You as well. <laughs> Happy holidays. Mm-hmm. You too. Thank you so much for having me on. Thanks, James. Have a good night
1: or afternoon. Let's see. So let's go. And we'll play one more positive message before we end the show. What a great interview. He's such a great man. He's such a, an awesome guy with the stuff that he's doing.
2: He is. Now I'd like to remind everybody that we are on break for the next two weeks. So I don't know about you, but I am going to be warming up to a, a, a Yule log. Is that what they call them? I don't know. I feel I like it's so. very fast. Yeah, you'll log. Okay. I'll be just warming up <laughs> to my heater. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I'm a, I'm a... So, yeah,
1: so we actually will return on January 8th. We return with um, Michelle Anderson. So she has some news for us and some information she'll be sharing. Um, Aaron, have a great holiday um, and a happy, healthy new year.
6: You too. Happy holidays. I will talk to you
1: soon. Yes, Sounds good. Bye, everyone.
6: Hey, everyone. It's your favorite positive marine here with my take on HIV. I was diagnosed with HIV in May of 2012, and in the beginning stages of my diagnosis, I was afraid. I was afraid that I would lose my career. I was afraid of how others would treat me, and I was afraid that I wouldn't be able to live a healthy life. I think that most people have this fear when they are first diagnosed. But through education, I was able to break through my fear and realize that I could live a perfectly normal life just like anybody else. Through my advocacy and my outreach, I have been able to meet many wonderful people who became a great support group for me. With them at my side, I have been able to broaden my network of support to many others who are going through the same thing. I want everybody in our community of HIV-positive individuals to know that it is going to be okay. We will survive. And through education and outreach, we will be able to make a better life for us all.
0: Join us each and every Sunday at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time when we bring you your weekly dose of hope. You can join in the conversation after the show is off air. Going on Twitter at PazIM Radio, Aaron Laxton. While you're on there, reach out to I'm Still Josh as he brings your weekly HIV scoop. And check out Kevin Maloney with Rise Up to HIV. I encourage you, if you've not already done so, please contribute to the positive message campaign. From each and every one of you who contribute and allow us to bring this show to you, thank you from the bottom of our hearts. And if you know someone who would be interested in coming on air... Or you think there's something that we need to cover? Please let us know. We're here to bring content that you need and you want. From each and every one of us over at Pause I Am Radio, from myself and Robert Brining, have a safe and happy week. And until we talk again, stay positive.